at one point in my addiction, I, um, I had overdosed and my daughter was around six or seven years old and she had opened up the door, man. And she found me dead on the floor and she had to run. And, um, she found, thank goodness I had a roommate at the time and they called 911 and, um, and they saved my life. And, and I was so far gone, like the, the drugs and alcohol had taken me so far away from the person that I was, the mother that I wanted to be. Um, that when I returned home that night, instead of walking in there and holding my child and telling her it was going to be okay, I walked right past her door and I walked into my room and I did the same exact thing that had just killed me and sent me to the hospital. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. From deep in the heart of Texas, greetings. We are so glad you are here. That was the voice of Miss Rachel W. on this here episode number 220, Dos Dos Zero of Speak. And you are going to hear so much more from Rachel in just a moment. But first things first, this episode is being brought to you by Adrian and Anna and Todd and Kurt and Terry and Anonymous. Do you know what Adrian and Anna and Todd and Kurt and Terry and Anonymous did. Well, let me fill you in. They went to our website, www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made a, a contribution. So thank you so much, Adrian and Anna and Todd and Kurt and Terry and Anonymous. This episode is coming right out to Ewans, I, John M, or Juan M, as some people know me, will be the host of this particular, I will be the chairperson for this particular meeting between meetings, and I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table, and let's get started. Remember now, for out of five sponsors surveyed, recommends Sober Speak as a way to increase your serenity. I'm just making that up, but it sounds good, doesn't it? All right. Um, so, I, first of all, let me just say I hope everybody has had a good start off to the new year, 2022. 
Uh, I hope you have a prospero año moving forward. Um, I do want to give you a, a lot of people wrote in and they wanted to know how my, my son was doing because I talked about him on the last episode. He got his wisdom teeth taken out and it was the day that I was recording and I was looking at him and he just did not look in good shape, but uh, uh, he was doing very well. In fact, Cassandra actually sent me a message. And Cassandra is the one, if you're not following us on Instagram, you should be following us on Instagram, right? That is if you have an account. And, and if you don't have an account, hey, go ahead and create one. You can follow us. Cassandra is the one who comes up with all those wonderful Instagram posts uh, on the Instagram, the gram. But nonetheless, uh, she reached out. She wanted to know how uh, my son was doing. I told, him, uh, told her she's, he's doing much better now. And she had had the same thing done as an adult, obviously, last year. And she said, do you know what I did? I ate McDonald's pancakes for like two weeks. And I'm like, you're kidding me. But as I said, did I mention that on the podcast? I couldn't remember, you know, what I had mentioned, what I didn't mention. She said, no, because my son ate McDonald's pancakes day and night for a week <laughs> because uh, he couldn't eat, you know, uh, sharp edged food, <laughs> sharp edged food, you know, like razor blades and stuff like that. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? He had to eat soft foods. That's the word I'm looking for, but all is well, uh, with my son. And thanks for those of you who reached out regarding that. Appreciate ya. Um, I saw something in the Super Secret Facebook group. By the way, if you're not in our Super Secret Facebook group, just uh, go to the Facebook application and look up, what is it again? Secret, no, 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 yeah, a Sober Speak Secret Group. And you will see there, you can find the group, but you can't get into it unless you ask for permission in order to get in the group and go ahead and ask for permission. And the bar is very low. <laughs> Just ask and you can get in there is what it comes down to. Okay. Uh, I don't know who'd want to be in there if they, you know, weren't interested in recovery or whatever the case may be. But nonetheless, Steve R., who I call our daily reflections kind of guy, uh, he writes something in there. I Once again, I think it's every single day. I'm not sure, but I know he writes a ton. And Steve R., if you're listening out there, I'm very grateful for you. But what he does is he gives a quote from the big book and then gives a little commentary on the back. And this one caught my attention this week. And it says, this is from page 124 of the big book, by the way. It says, cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have. The key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. Page 124. I'll read it again. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have. The key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. Page 124. And one of the reasons I wanted to read that is because it really goes 
hand in hand with the episode that you're about to listen to today from Rachel. So, and anyway, and Steve follows up with a little commentary on the back end, and he says, being honest with ourselves, allow us to be honest with God and others. After we've honestly and bravely accepted our dark past, we can use that same past along with hope, along with the hope of a better present and future through recovery to help others to be honest and willing to recover too. It's a great gift, our dark past, Steve says. And then he says, help one, save two. Happy Tuesday. Obviously, he wrote that on a Tuesday. Now, on to our featured guest of the week. I, I recorded this one quite some time ago, but I've been holding on to it for a little while because I wanted to be able to release it at the beginning of the year because this um, maybe, uh, you know, I hate to say it's my favorite. I, you know, we have what, 220 of these so far, um, but this is one of my favorites for sure that I have ever recorded. And uh, this is one, it's called Rachel W. It says, don't leave AA before the miracle happens. Rachel has been sober since August 10th of 2013, and she is from, as my uh, friend uh, Don M. from this podcast taught me to say the city name, Louisville, Kentucky. I hope I'm getting that right. If you're out there from Louisville and I'm not getting it right, my apologies. Anyway, you heard the audio clip that I played at the beginning of this episode, hopefully, uh, about Rachel's daughter finding her dead. And that is not, I repeat, not the end of the story. Um, Listen, I want to forewarn you a little bit in that I get a little, what's the word, uh, verklempt. Uh, on this episode, because Rachel is absolutely amazing. She addresses many things. She talks about uh, her stint in jail, and she says jail is not a fairy tale place. And then one kind of uh, amusing thing, she talked about um, the term jail math <laughs> and what that means. Once again, she talks about how her daughter found her um, in that state and uh, how she began to repair that relationship by writing letters to her daughter, and she'll be able to go through that with you. She actually works in the recovery field now and has had a tremendous amount of success there. So anyway, buckle up your seats, or excuse me, is it buckle up your seats? Uh, Buckle up, uh, strap yourself into your seat, something like that. I think I just butchered that cliche, but you get the you get the gist of it. So buckle up, enjoy the ride. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Miss Rachel W. And we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy. Okay, everybody. So today we are sitting here with Rachel. W. And that is Rachel W. For Well, Rachel, why don't you go ahead, please? Introduce yourself. Give your sobriety date, if you wish. Tell people where you're from and where you're sitting. I think they're two different things. And then I'll give a little background on uh, how we came across each other. Absolutely. Hey, guys, my name is Rachel and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, my sobriety date is 10-10-13. I am currently sitting in Louisville, Kentucky, um, this is the place where I got my start in recovery, and I actually live in Indianapolis, Indiana. 
So I just recently interviewed Don M and he, as I'm sure you know, is from Louisville as well. And I came on and I said something like, now you're a Louisville, right? And he says something to the effect of, we call it Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don is great. I actually just read his uh, morning meditation this morning to the group that um, was sitting out there. I'm visiting a lot of my recovery friends right now. He is one of our icons here. And yeah, we call it Louisville. So it's almost like you're swallowing part of your word. Um, yeah. So that that's, we, we say it a little bit funny around here. <laughs> I think that's great. Speaking of that text that Don sends out, I had somebody write me in just recently. Oh, I cannot remember her name off the top of my head, but the title of it was Don M. Uh, the subject line for the email was Don M. And she said that she had kind of randomly picked out one of the episodes from Sober Speak, and she listened to Don M. And he talked about that text that he sends out every day. And she said that I, apparently she got it through somebody, through somebody, and she had never really knew where it came from. And she was like, oh my goodness, that's the guy I get this text from every day. And she was really, she was really happy to uh, put a, put a voice uh, to the text, I guess is what you would say, not necessarily a face. So. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about how, uh, or let me talk about real quickly how we came across each other. And that is from Miss Amy D or Amy S D. She, I think she goes by both. Uh, mm -hmm. She absolutely loves you. She thinks the world of you. Uh, she said, you have got to have Rachel on your podcast. And so that is why we are sitting here today. So uh, how do you know, Amy, what's the relationship like there? Um, okay, so Amy's actually my sponsor, um, and I met her, so I went through a treatment center here in Louisville. Um, it is called The Healing Place, and that is where I met her. She had gone through the same treatment center, um, and when I washed up, you know, <clears throat> through those doors on December the 6th of uh, 2013, uh, they told me that I had to get a sponsor. And so I asked multiple people, I think three or four people before I found her. And, and we were in a meeting there. It's called Happy Hour. And she shared. And, and when she shared the passion that she had, the craziness that she showed, I was like, that has got to be my sponsor. And I went and I uh, asked her to sponsor me. She said, OK. She accidentally mixed up two. I think it was accident two numbers of her phone number, the last numbers, but I knew her sister was in there. And so I got the correct phone number and I called her every day because they said, you have to call your sponsor every day. And so I went and I used the phone that they had and I called her every day and I left her weird messages like, Hey, Amy, it's Rachel. I, I just, they said I had to call you. So I'm calling Bye. Um, <laughs> and so then that, that's kind of how we started our relationship. <laughs> yeah. She is so sweet. I recently she came down here also to the Texas State Convention and spoke recently, and uh, I was able to see her there. It was just uh, she's so sweet. I mean, just really a genuine great lady. Uh, I, I love being able to see her. Yeah. Um, so, by the way, so you mentioned that you went to the the treatment center on December 6th of 2013, yes. Yes, but your sobriety that. date is t October. So yes. that is usually the opposite of what I hear, right? People will give a sobriety date after they've gotten a treatment. So take me through that real quick. 
I will tell you how that happened. So uh, my sobriety date is 1010. So on 109 of 2013, I was in um, I was in Lexington and I was in my probation officer's uh, complex um, and I had uh, signed a statement saying I always like to say that I signed a statement on myself. Um, I had been trying to pass those drug tests, you know, when we get in those court systems, they try to help us by putting us on uh, probation or parole. And I had been false, falsely passing many of those drug tests. And, and what you see, I'd been out for nine months. And what you see normally is I don't understand that you can see that I am going downhill. You know, when people are using drugs every day or they're drinking every day, you know, I mean, I know it. Many people that aren't like uh, you and me, you know, they don't have this disease. They aren't alcoholics. They aren't addicts. They can still see that this per something is going on with this person and this doesn't look okay. And of course, she recognized that. My probation officer recognized that. Um, and she had me sign a statement. And I told her lies. You know, I downplayed everything that was happening. Um, and I signed that statement on myself. And I remember I was on the phone and you have to go up and down these floors there in Lexington at the old building that I was at. And I was standing out there waiting to be buzzed in to where her office was. And I was on the phone with someone and I was like, um, I'm probably going to jail. And they're like, no, no, you're not going to jail. And I was like, listen, you know, jail is not a fairy tale place. And I go there often. Um, and I know what it looks like when I'm about ready to go to jail. And, and I was right. You know, like I ended up going to jail that day. And so my sobriety date is the day that I woke up in that jail cell and I didn't have anything to drink or use that day. Yeah. And so then eventually, so, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Go ahead. Eventually what? So eventually what happened um, was they, they pulled my probation um, and the, Department of Corrections, the Department of Justice um, thought that I may have a problem. Um, I did not think that I had a problem. I didn't think there was anything wrong with the way that I was living, how that I, how I was using the means I was using to get what I needed. I thought that I was just going through like a phase and that I would stop when I was ready. Um, so I didn't think I had a problem. I'd never tried to stop um, and I did not see the impact, uh, you know, on my life and on the people around me. Um, and so it was weird. It was that that last time that I was in jail, um, it was almost like I was a, a third party view and I was looking at myself. And and now when I look back, I believe that that was my first taste of surrender. And although I didn't recognize it, that was what was with me. I wasn't worried about like in jail, you get money on your books to get commissary, to get phone calls, you know, canteen, whatever it's called in the place you're in. Um, you wait for those visits, right? And I was not doing any of that. I, I remember sitting Indian style on that top bunk and looking out, you know, over the yard where um, the, the ladies walked the circle. Um, and I remember just looking through those glass walls and just looking at it. And I I didn't have an urge to do anything. It was almost like there there was silence around me and there was silence with me. Um and they ended up transporting me back to my original county where I got those charges. And for some reason, um, they offered me treatment and they said, you can either have um, five years in prison. And if anybody who's listening has ever um, done the jail math before, there's a way we do jail math. And that's um, seven, seven, um, 721, um, uh, seven months in a year and 21 days in a month. And if you add all those times up, you've already been in jail. The judge can say that he'll accept that. And if he accepts that amount and you put it on and you've got a state sentence, you only have to do a percentage of that time. And when I did that jail math, 
I only had three months left, right? Three months, I'm going to be out. I'm going to walk day for day on paper and I will walk this sentence out and I won't have to be here anymore. And the best choice for me is to go to prison. Um, and that's what I believed. Um, but for some reason, somebody other than me, um, you know, said, maybe I need treatment. And I don't know who that was. And I don't know where I can't, where it came from. And I believe, you know, I attribute that to my higher power um, because uh, me in that state and what I thought and what I believed and how I was living, I would not have said that. Um, so I accepted that. And that's when they sent me um, over there to my treatment center. And that's how I got there on December 6th. Wow. Okay. So now, you know, I, uh, sometimes ask, uh, I think about just about every time, actually, the various people I interview on the front end of these things, I'll say, you know, like, is there anything in particular you want me to avoid? Like, you know, I, people are going through divorces and stuff like that. And they don't want to talk about that. And so now it makes sense. <laughs> Rachel said, she goes, nope. Nothing that I haven't been indicted for yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was talking about. It comes back around, doesn't it, John? It kind of makes more sense now. <laughs> it makes complete sense. And I can also see you talk like Amy. You have the same cadence. You have the same accent. You got a little bit of that craziness in the background. And, and I can see why you were so attracted to her. I think that's fantastic. Okay, so you made it. Well, first of all, before we go on to the treatment center and then past that and such, is there anything that you want to, anything that comes to mind that you want to talk about uh, you know, from from your past that is significant before you actually got to the jail, uh, what do you want to cover there? Um, yeah, so basically what what it was like. Um, so I, I I grew up, I have one sister that's my uh, full-blooded sister, um, and her and I grew up together um, with my mom and and my mom was one of us. So um, she started drinking alcoholically. From uh, according to my cousins that I've talked to, um, probably around the age of seventeen, um, and she that that ended um, when she died at the age of sixty-four. And I attribute her death um, to her alcoholism. She had died in a house fire, and um, by the time that alcohol was done with her and where she ended, um, she was like the smartest woman I ever. I've ever known in my whole life. She could read Stephen King books, the thick ones, the stand, you know, in three days. And anytime I needed her to spell anything, um, cause I'm not very good at spelling, but she knew, she knew everything. And, and by the time alcoholism got done with her and alcohol, um, she couldn't walk by herself through her house. Um, she couldn't make it to the bathroom and she would lay these, um, these pads that you put in the alcohol that you put in the, the hospital um, underneath her um, in her bed and she would use the bathroom there and she would pull them out and she would drop them by her bed. And, and there were just empty bottles, like so many empty bottles, half gallons of vodka next to her. Um, and so she couldn't get up and she couldn't get away from that fire. Um, you know, I, I think that her house would have been in better condition, you know, had she not been in that state. Um, she had had grand mal seizures and, and she sometimes couldn't think of the word, you know, for hairbrush or for a table. 
um, because of what alcohol had done. It, it had taken her through through the ringer. Um, so I, I grew up with that, and it wasn't that bad at that point. Uh, my dad always worked somewhere else, um, so he was he was supporting us in the way that he knew how. But my mom went in and out of treatment centers um, all the time um, when I was younger. Um, and that's, that's kind of what our life was. And, and I remember her, um, teaching me morals and she taught me values and she was a free spirit. And she, um, was like an arm wrestling champion. She uh, was a skydiver, you know, um, she was a free spirit. Her and my dad would get in cars and they would drive to wherever that car broke down and they would find places and they would work and they would live. And, um, that's, that's who she was. And she was an amazing person. And, and if anybody's story is like my story, uh, we didn't start out in the gutter, right? It, it was fun. We had a good time. It was an answer, um, to all our problems. And, and for many years, um, it was an answer and it also caused consequences. So we went back and forth, but there was that honeymoon part that it, it made everything all right, you know, and, and, and that's why we kept using, and that was the same for mom. Um, so eventually, um, I got two more brothers. They're my half brothers. Um, my sister and my two brothers and myself um, are all um, just like most of these listeners. We are people um, that are in long-term recovery or that need to be in long-term recovery. Uh, recently, my brother Ryan in the last year um, has relapsed um, and he's in a really tough spot right now. And it's, it's a pretty scary place to be. Um, but that's a little bit about, you know, kind of my life, um, what, what that was like growing up, um, up until, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me take a little pause here real quick. We will be continuing our conversation with Rachel W. in just a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at www.soberspeak.com. There you'll find approximately, I don't know, 205 or so other episodes you can listen to for free. You can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast. Podcast. This is a podcast funded by you, the listener. All right. So, uh, yeah that that story about your mom is you know fascinating. I had a rocky relationship with my mom as well, and uh, gosh, man, it is it's tough to watch them go downhill like that. Um, but uh, all right, so let, let's move on then. So that's kind of like like you said a little bit of what what I was like. Uh, and then we know that the Jew, so what were you getting in trouble for, for all those years where you're going to jail and such like that? Was there anything, one particular offense or was it varied? Yeah. So there were, um, you know, giving false information to police officers, um, theft, the normal stuff like that. Um, well, I guess it's not normal for everyone, but it's kind of <laughs> normal for the people in our realm. I always have to remember that, like who I'm talking to, what's my audience, you know, like actually that's not normal. Um, But for me and for a lot of, you know, people like uh, you and me and people in recovery, that is kind of normal. So there was that. Um, Eventually, I know um, I know a lot of people um, in recovery that kind of had a little bit of the same path as as I started using heavier drugs. And when I did, what I did was um, if I can sell these, I can get X amount free. Um, and so I started doing that. And so my life turned to running, getting some, selling it until I had got enough money that I could go get my own and then sell that. 
Um, and so I got caught at some point selling um, some, it was some pills. I got caught selling some pills. There was an informant that wore a wire um, and recorded the whole thing. And also, you know, we're working with the police to, to um, get all the information about me and to be there when those uh, transactions took place. That'll do it right there. I yeah. understand that. Uh, yeah, you know, and I remember I always had to put uh, a lot of uh, uh, tinfoil on my uh, windows uh, because I didn't want the light coming in, didn't yeah. want other people to see in. And when I got sober, there was no such thing as uh, caller ID. And you talk about fear, answering the phone without yeah. caller ID on it. That is not fun at all. So, all right, so... So you, um, so, okay, so you get into trouble, uh, and then now let's kind of go a little bit back to the, you know, your, your landing into AA. So it sounds like once you got into AA or excuse me, once you got into treatment and then you got a sponsor and then you sort of kind of work in the steps, did you ever have any, uh, going back out or did it work for you? Actually, I am. Um, I I think that I am absolutely blessed, and I've been afforded grace and mercy in that respect. Um, I was used to, and I was conditioned. So all the times, you know, that I had been to to jail, um, you do what they want you to do, right? Like that's what you do when you you get up. When they say get up, you don't go back to your room. You change your clothes. You take your shower. Like you eat when they want you to eat. And so this is what I'm used to, and I was conditioned. And once I got in that treatment center because of my conditioning and because it was not in Lexington, I wanted to go to Lexington treatment so bad. I was like, I need to be there. You know, I got to be there for my family. Like I had not been there for my family for years prior to that, but I needed to at that time when I was trying to go into treatment and thank goodness they didn't send me there and they sent me to, to Louisville. Um, and so I didn't have anybody in Louisville and I didn't have like none of my quote unquote friends would have went all the way to Louisville to come get me. They just wouldn't have, you know? So I was kind of in a spot where I was used to um, complying to what the standards were. Um, and I didn't have any other like options in that city because there was times that I got mad and I was like, I'm leaving, like I'm getting out of here. Um, they uh, told us not to have things. And I um, like, it was Benadryl and like Mucinex DM. And I like almost immediately just, obstinate just like went out there and bought those and kept them with me and when they found them I got punished for it because I'm not supposed to have them um Amy's so funny too I called her I was so mad and I was like I should have just went out and used I gotta start the program all over again and she was like oh honey are, are you mad about the number at the end of your bed because they, had, they numbered the beds and as you went through your number got higher that meant you were moving in the program and I was like I Yes. And she was like, all right, I'm on my way down there. I have a Sharpie. What number do you want? <laughs> yeah, that was Amy. Yeah, absolutely. So that was, uh, yeah, she, she, she's been amazing. It was incredible. And she sat down with me, man, and she read page hundred and it says, uh, you and the new man much walked hand, uh, hand in hand day by day and remarkable things will happen. I'm paraphrasing that. Um, but she read that and we sat at that table together and boy, oh boy, um, that has been, you know, my story, um, since coming into treatment and, and coming into AA and it has not, it's not been easy. There's been a lot, you know, like, um, 
at one point in my addiction, I, um, I had overdosed and my daughter was around six or seven years old and she had opened up the door, man. And she found me dead on the floor and she had to run. And, um, she found, thank goodness I had a roommate at the time and they called 911 and, um, and they saved my life. And, and I was so far gone, like the, the drugs and alcohol had taken me so far away from the person that I was, the mother that I wanted to be, um, that when I returned home that night, instead of walking in there and holding my child and telling her it was going to be okay, I walked right past her door and I walked into my room and I did the same exact thing that had just killed me and sent me to the hospital. Um, and so I learned from Amy, like I always tell my girls um, and guys, I'm like, uh, you know, with your family and with those kids, it's it's uh, like that old movie, The Field of Dreams. And some people won't get the reference, but some people will. Um, if you build it, they will come. And what that means is you build that child and you build that family member and you build them into their life. And mine started with a letter a day, a letter a week. And every Thursday I put a letter in the mail to my daughter, right? Trying to rebuild this, this relationship. She had gone to foster homes. She had gone taken from where she was. She had seen me on the news. She had visited me in jail. She had stood by my bed in the hospital when I had almost died. And so I began to build that and I built her in my thoughts. I built her in my speak. I built her in my prayers and I built our relationship back, starting with those letters. And I would wander around the treatment center and I would ask everybody for a nickel or a dime. And I would say, please, I want to call my daughter. Um, can you please help me with this money? And it costs like a dollar seventy-five or something. And and to go to that many people just asking for a nickel or a dime, just so I could put my name on that list so that I could make that phone call so that I could talk to her. Um, and that's how that relationship started. And then it began to bring such amazing things. And I would say that out of everything in my life, um, from the time that I got sober until this moment that we're talking on this podcast, being able to be a mother to my girls is absolutely the most, the thing that I'm the most grateful for, um, because I was not. You know, I wanted to be, but I just couldn't. This disease had me and it had me in its grips and I couldn't see. And I think sometimes we can't see while we're in that because it's saving our lives. Because if I could have seen, I wouldn't be here now. You know, I, I would have done away with myself because I didn't want to be that person. Um, but it's amazing. Um, and that, that relationship with Kaylin um, brought me my relationship with Daphne. And Daphne's her sister, and I had been there since she was a month old, you know, but I didn't get to be the person that I wanted to be to her. Um, and because of this program, because of Amy, just start by that letter, man, you know, start building them in your lives. Um, I am now um, a very grateful, very proud, very amazed mother of two amazing girls. Um, and also the boyfriend too. He's pretty cool too. I, I like the boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I, uh, you can see me wiping my eyes over here. Um, I don't always, I, I hear a lot of stories. Uh, I don't know what it is about the parental stories that give me more than anything. Yeah. But, I I appreciate you sharing that. All right, I have to get my composure here uh, <laughs> to finish this out. Okay, so <laughs> uh, all right, so let, let's talk about. <laughs> okay, so 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I just completely lost. No, it's a sad story, but it, it gets better. Yeah. Right? yeah it, gets, it gets a lot better. Yeah. Right. Right. Better at the end. Right. Okay. So yeah. Well, and that's what I'm actually, that's what I'm choked up about is because I know where it ended up. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's not just the sad part. It's the redemption part. And that's what, you know, that's what people don't, this is why I started this thing. Right. People don't, especially people who aren't in Alcoholics Anonymous, they don't understand yeah. what goes on within the rooms. I mean, I hear these kind of things day in, day out. These stories of redemption, these stories of, of overcoming very difficult circumstances. And I wanted to get those stories. I mean, people in the rooms know about this, right? Like you keep yeah. saying, I don't know who my audience is and who I'm talking to. And I'm, yeah. you know, just regular stuff like stealing, you know, yeah. Yeah. you don't go into Sunday school and talk about that. No. <laughs> you, no well, not. I was, you know, I used to do the stealing, you know, regular stuff, kids, you know, um, but uh, they, I, I wanted to be able to get stories like yours out there to the folks uh, who don't get to hear them. And, you know, not everybody who listens to this isn't an Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, yeah. uh, and some are skirting around the edges and we don't, you know, they're, they're kind of figuring out, do I want to be in the programs of Alcoholics Anonymous? And I just wanted to give them a flavor of actually yeah. kind of what goes on. Okay. So, all right, so let's get back to you. Oh, there's the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, is I know just from your emails and our conversations and stuff like that, that we've, you at some point along the line got, and I don't know how much you want to share about this. If you don't want to talk about it, it's fine with me, but you got into the, the treatment kind of, uh, you're, you, you work in the recovery field, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. How did that transition come about? How did that occur? Well, it's kind of interesting. So, you know, um, in our book, it talks about like what we what we need to do. And I think it's um, um, 86 through 87. Um, and so it says as we begin our day, um, when we begin our day, as we go through the day and as we retire at night. And those are specific instructions for us. And we practice those on a daily basis. Um, sometimes we do better. Sometimes we don't. Um, but what that did is that gave me an insight. It gave me a connection to my higher power. Um, and I was a server. I've been a server for a very long time. In fact, here recently has just been the only point in my life that I haven't at least occasionally, you know, been a server. Um, even when I was working in treatment, I still went and did, you know, like St. Patrick's Day or whatever. Um, and I was serving and, and it and something was off, something that I couldn't quite explain. It wasn't the people I worked with. I love them. It wasn't the customers that came in. I love taking care of them. It wasn't and let me make sure real quick. I understand when you say a server, you're talking about like a food server a in food a restaurant. Server. Yes, like, a waitress. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Just yeah. Sure. Yeah. And so um, I, I just didn't feel content. I didn't feel like I was uncomfortable. Um, and I knew it wasn't, I love those people and I love what I did. Um, and so I was like, you know, this is, this is my higher power trying to tell me something. Um, and I was like, okay, so Rachel, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and I wanted to work with people like me. Um, and so basically I started calling, applying, Googling every treatment place that I could possibly find in my area and just emailing. And I happened to get, um, a, a an email address for this new place that was opening opening up that had only been open about six months and its name was Landmark, 
And I emailed them and was like, I really want a position. And what I wanted to do is what's called a behavioral tech. Um, we call them patient engagement specialists. They're kind of like um, the people that have the firsthand interactions. We get people to group, we talk to them, we make sure they go and get their medicines and med lines. So they're the people that kind of uh, the chaos coordinators, I like to call them. <laughs> um, and that's what I wanted to do. But I happened to get the email address of somebody that was on the administrative side. Um, and they ended up hiring me in as a receptionist before I got that job. They offered me the business officer manager, business office manager's job. Um, and exactly a year ago on September the 1st, um, I was offered a position and this was, I got hired at 2000 in 2017, in March of 2017 with the company. And a year ago on September the 1st, they offered me a position in Carmel, Indiana as an executive director of one of their facilities. And so that's what wow. I got to do. <laughs> that's why you moved to Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How about that? <laughs> pretty cool, huh? Only God. Um, only, right. only my higher power, like people like me. And I, I just finished my bachelor's degree. Um, so I didn't even have what people would look at on paper and say, oh, this person is qualified to do this job. Um, it was the program. It was Alcoholics Anonymous, the people that are my support group, the people that held me up, um, the values that they had taught me, you know, what the, this designed for living. Um, it gave me those qualities that somebody looked and they said, you know what? We trust her. She's dependable. We can count on her. She's extremely smart. Some of that might've been from, you know, out in the madness, like everything we had to figure out how to do out there. Um, <laughs> but it serves me well today and it serves me well in a transparent, honest, loving, kind um, way instead of the way that it used to serve me out there. And that's getting whatever I wanted anytime that I needed it. Selfish and self-centered to the core. I would much rather have you taking care of me at a treatment center and talking to me at a treatment center than somebody with the actual diploma or whatever it is, you know, the yeah. skin that you put up on the wall. Yeah. I mean, you've been there, done that girl, as they say. Uh, and, uh, that's great. All right. So I I keep getting choked up here. I mean, I cannot help it. My goodness. Uh, this is something. Uh, okay. So <laughs> let's go a little further. Let's talk about your, your sobriety. What, what do you want to talk about after you got into the rooms? You've had what, 11, uh, almost 11 years now. Um, it'll be eight. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, 13, 13. I was yeah, looking at it. It's the 10th, not yeah. 10, 10, 10, 10, 13. 10, 13 so, yeah. All right. So you've been sober almost eight years now, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Uh, talk to me about this eight years that you've had in the program, what it means to you, maybe some milestones that you went through. Oh, wow. Wow. To look back on all of that. I, I think that the number one thing is it gave me um, a set of tools that I can help other women with, you know, the, the ones that come in um, and they don't know, you know, they're not sure whether they're in and they're not sure whether they're out, but all they want is desperately for someone to help them. They want a chance, you know, just like I wanted a chance. Um, I think that's one of the most amazing things. And um, I, I kind of go with the suggestion that was given to me and that's you always have one wet drunk. And that means you always have somebody in the book. So I do uh, my step studies with my girls. Um, we meet once a week, you know, um, depending upon who we're meeting with. You know, we can meet in a group. Of course, we do the fifth step alone, but we meet once a week. And so I regularly and consistently have at least one person that is in that book. And we're reading that book regularly and we're going through the steps. And I think that has kept me sane. 
um, I have explored um, consistently changing my idea of what that higher power is. What does meditation look like? Um, You know, wanting to further my education, learning as much as I can. And and the reason why I do that is because I want to be able to help others. You know, I want to be able to share it with others. I want to be able to fully, like we talked about non-majors earlier, um, two of the most amazing people, Don Majors and Miss Pearl. And when I see Don at a meeting um, and he's talking to someone, it is almost like there is a different energy around him because he is all just right with that person. And that is the only thing that matters to him in that moment. And I want to be like that one day. Um, I want to be able to fully be present with that person in front of me. Um, And this is the path that I'm on and this is how I get there. Um, I've bought, you know, like the monetary stuff. So I've I've bought houses, I've got good jobs. um, I've gotten through school, um, all of that stuff. But that's, those are amazing things that have happened and and they wouldn't have happened, you know, without this program, without watching those people like my, like my best friend, Candace, you know, I watched her go through school. I watched her get her master's degree and she's going to wrap up her life. She's going to be fully independently licensed in, in April. And I've watched that whole thing happen. Um, and so it's taking, taking what I can from the world around me and my experiences and being able to be a, somebody, a role model, not only to my daughters, my family, um, but to any woman um, that is so low that their kid finds them dead, that they sell their bodies, that they do these, these just indescribable things that are not them, that they think they are not worth it, that they can't think they can't make it um, to be like, Hey, me too. Like I'm right there with you and you can do this and I can help you do this. And I'm here for you. Um, and I think that's like one of the most amazing things um, to be able to do that, to be able to answer the phone when my daughter calls, to be able to call my daughter back, you know, to be able to be there when their dad dies. Um, those, those are the, all the, the work and all the school and all that other stuff. That is just an illusion. Like the reality is us here right now, John, and anybody that's listening out there, It's one person sharing with another person the hope that they can too recover. They can too survive. And not only that, but they can do amazing things and they can make a difference to others and in this world. You know, I keep thinking back to your mom and to me, how you described her and what you are. You're the exact same person. You, because you're, I, I could just tell you're, off the charts intelligent and you found Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, by the grace of God, you know, uh, unfortunately she was not able to, right? Um, But you're an example. I know you don't represent AA, so to speak, but you are an example that AA works in people's lives and does an amazing job. Yeah. Okay, so before I cry anymore, I think I'm going to wrap this one up. All right, <laughs> you, you you have uh, you have really uh, I, I I I'm just blown away. Um, you're incredible. Um, before I, I before we end, is there anything okay, you're going to have people listening? 
like I said before we started in all four corners of the world, um, is there anything that you want to say from your experience, strength, and hope that you have not said not yet that you would like the, the, the listeners to hear? Does anything come to mind? Yeah, it's, um, you know, don't, don't leave before the miracle happens. Um, and I know we have these cliche sayings, but just, you know, try, try not to use and try not to drink. And even if you do, you know, come back to us, um, let somebody tell you what you should do in your life. Um, because if you're anything like me before you came through these rooms, um, came through these doors, like you were not doing a very good job of running your life. So take some suggestions, you know, find a sponsor um, and do what they do um, and keep doing that. Okay, I'm going to read from page 164 of the big book here to wrap us up. Um, It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. (sighs) Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Get freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us, like me, Rachel W., as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Rachel, once again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Don't. Leave before the miracle happens. Thank you so much, Rachel. God bless you. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to share your story with the Sober Speak listeners. I I hope that this particular episode, I hope all of them get a lot of traction, right? But I hope that this one goes far and wide um, because it deserves to And uh, you're just absolutely the best, Rachel. Thank you so much again. If that story impacted you, please take a moment to pause your device and share it with a friend or family member. It may be just what they need today. Now, remember, we don't want you sharing your gossip, but please do share this episode if it meant something to you. Now, on to a little bit of a listener feedback. The first bit of, wi- oh, oh, yes, yes, I remember this. The first bit of feedback comes in from, oh, and this actually came in on uh, Christmas Eve. So, every once in a while, I go out to Apple Podcasts, and I just kind of see what's out there, and, you know, if we're getting any reviews or not, and that sort of thing. So, and I read the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right. And uh, this one was posted on Apple Podcasts. Now, I can never tell the name. I don't know if it's, you know, male or female or if that even matters or whatever the case may be. But I just get their kind of, what do you call this? Their their handle or, or their, their username? I don't know. Their username is Intuitive Cozy Pants. I'm just reading it, folks. Anyway, uh, the, the, um, the 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 review says, and I'm laughing because I know what's coming up here. It says, "Great guest, too much intro." 
Uh, an intuitive cozy pan says, I skip over roughly the first 10 minutes of table setting on this podcast every time because I don't want to listen to the host. <laughs> I want to listen to the guest. And <laughs> now who is intuitive cozy pans talking about? Oh, that's me they're talking about. So, you know, I get it. I listen to a lot of podcasts myself, and a lot of times I just, you know, fast forward through the first however many minutes I think uh, that individual will be talking to get to something that I really want to hear. I want to miss the commercials, even though I don't have commercials, stuff like that. So I really do understand. And, you know, my my good friend Casey in, in Jess once uh caught me outside of a an AA room as we were going in. And he says, hey, I just want to let you know, I was listening to the podcast today. He goes, I really, really enjoyed it. I just skipped past the first 10 minutes with you talking. <laughs> and I think he was saying it in jest, but I know, I know that intuitive cozy pants can't be the only person. And, and I tell you what, if you have the choice between listening to my gibberish and listening to our guests that we bring on, Every single time, please listen to the guest. Uh, I completely get it. But anyway, thanks for being honest out there. I really appreciate it. And if y'all are out there, apparently these things make a difference on some of our traction that we get out there. If you're out there on your podcast listeners and you want to give us a rating, uh, you know, honest, just give whatever kind of rating you want. Uh, uh, we would appreciate y'all. Adrian writes in and Adrian says, hi, John M. Well, hello, Adrian. She says, Sober Speak is the best AA podcast ever heard. I had a hard time here. By the way, Adrian lives in Germany. Hello, Mr. Adrian out in Germany. Uh, and uh, oh, I had a hard time here with COVID and I got depressed, but I was living these last weeks with your podcast in my ears, big smiley face, and it really helped to soften the pain. Anyway, John, you make a great service to AA and the community, and I've already recommended your podcast to many of my AA people. Merry Christmas, and God bless you, man. Sincerely, Adrian. Well, Adrian out in Germany, muchas gracias. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 that's not muchas gracias. Uh, Donka Shen? Did I get that right? Donka? Yeah, I think it's Donka Shen, if I'm I'm not right, or, or Donkey Kong, or <laughs> something <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, uh, uh, Donkey Kong. I, Adrian, I don't know if you have any idea what Donkey Kong is, but I'm so sorry. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for writing in. Lara. Well, it could be Lara. Uh, L-A-R-A. What do you pronounce that? Lara or Lara? Anyway, you say potato, I say potato. Lara writes in. She says, hi, John. I am 120 days sober today. Yeehaw. Good for you, Lara. She says, I've been attending AA meetings here in Illinois. I just wanted to reach out and let you guys know this podcast has been so helpful. Days after work, when I have the urge to drink instead of a meeting, I find myself listening to the podcast and finding the amazing strength to continue on in this journey. Thank Thank you so much for an amazing podcast. 
Well, Lara, thanks for writing in. We appreciate you and congratulations on that 120 days. Keep coming back, as they say. Todd writes in and Todd says, hi, John, I found your pod. See, he, he's got the lingo down just right. He's listening to an app on the pod. It was as I found your pod while searching for recovery podcast. And I listened to Steve L. Steve L. Really enjoyed him. My story is that my original sobriety date was 2-24-08, February 24th of 2008. He says, and I went back out earlier this year. I have two days sober. Well, good for you, Todd. Looks like you're back on track. He says, my new date is, oh, and I've had this one in the queue for a while. He says, my new date is December 25th of 2001. Well, that's a pretty cool uh, sobriety date there, Todd. I would hold on to that one, a Christmas day. But nonetheless, he says, I'll be searching for a uh, a sponsor, Todd D. And then he says, be well. Todd D, thanks for writing in, my friend, and I'm glad you are back on track. Matt DMs on the Insta. He says, hi, John. I'm a longtime listener of the podcast. You read my letter out in one of the early episodes when I was six months sober. I am now coming up on 19 months sober and I still use this podcast daily as my meeting between meetings. Thank you for the podcast. It helps me out so much. Matt A. in the United Kingdom. Matt, thanks for listening in and congrats on that 19 months. You know, Oh, when I get um, uh, messages like this, and 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 I and I hear that people are using this daily, you know, I think ah, you know, maybe I should just retire and put out three of these a week. But you know, for right, maybe someday, right? And, and I've talked about it before. I could do a bunch of these. I mean, there's enough. Uh, somebody wrote in once. Oh, who was it? They said. Uh, you could do this more often, John. There's enough bozos on the bus out there. <laughs> that is, that is true. I mean, <laughs> oh, there are so many of us, right? So many of you guys out there, we could do a ton of episodes. But uh, for right now, I'm just doing one a week. Anyway, Eric DMs on the Instagram as well. And he says, hey, John, I've listened to nearly all Oh, I listened to nearly all of your episodes while I was in jail. Now that I'm out, it's a little bit harder, but I love your program and the service that you provide. God bless Eric. Well, Eric, that is so, oh, that, that just makes my day to know that. I, you know, I wonder many times if there are people out there that are incarcerated uh, that are listening to this. And I know that there are different parameters that the various institutions have set up regarding, you know, internet uh, service and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, um, I, I, anyway, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to listen to these. And I'm sure it is a little bit harder on the uh, outside now, Eric, but um, God bless you. Keep coming back. Keep doing what you're doing, right? Um, and uh, keep me posted. Please do keep me posted, Eric. And finally, last but not least, on this here, the first 
episode of 2022. Claudia writes in and she says, Hi, John. My name is Claudia. I am from Brazil, currently living in the San, Sao San, I think is a San Paulo or Sao Paulo area. It says SAO, but anyway, uh, is in Brazil. Okay. She says, I've been sober since November of 2020. I've lived here in the, uh, I've lived in the triad area in North Carolina from 2003 to 2008, where I got my master's degree. I have always been a hard drinker and I was even proud of it, but never had a clue I could be an alcoholic until about three or four years ago. I began the journey to hell. It's usually what happens. She says the mental obsession was unbearable. I began to drink during lunch breaks, in the morning, before work, lost my job, got divorced, and so on. Finally, I saw no other way out than accepting a recovery program in a rehab center. I stayed there for three months and learned a lot about the 12-step program, although they use the NA literature, uh, Narcotics Anonymous literature. Nevertheless, it was an eye-opener, and I could finally accept that I have a disease. I am powerless over alcohol and that my life was immanageable. I got out of the clinic in the middle of the pandemic, hence there was no physical meeting going on, only virtual. I have joined a bunch of them, but I was never very comfortable to talk since I am very shy. Maybe I am going into justification again, one of my biggest defects of character, but within eight months, I had a one-day relapse, which was very painful, and the next day, I went looking desperately for local meetings that were open. Luckily, one group was already open open and it was my base group and it has been my base group since then we consider ourselves as quote traditional a traditional unquote group and don't go on dates don't have chips i'm assuming she means dates with each other but i don't know don't have chips don't use much technology and this kind of thing here in brazil there is a big polemic ooh That's a good word there. Man, for English being your uh, second language. Anyway, here in Brazil, there is a big polemic regarding traditional and progressive Alcoholics Anonymous. Unfortunately, many of the groups were distorted. Uh, Many of the groups here distorted the whole concept of AA, saying saying its first principle is to, quote, avoid the first drink, unquote, and not admittance of powerless surrender, acceptance, etc., leaving behind all the richness and spirituality that AA has to offer. Since I am the only one that speaks English in the group, I volunteer to browse how things are going in the U.S., where it all began. So I started to attend some virtual meetings and luckily found Sober Speak on Spotify. I was amazed with the diversity of speakers and the eloquence and the enthusiasm they all have in common. Once again, for English being your second language, I mean, it's better, it's better than my English, which is a little bit 
embarrassing. And, you know, English is my first language. I do speak, uh, as my, my friend Jim S. calls it, pigeon Spanish. Now, I don't know exactly what pigeon Spanish means, but it doesn't... <laughs> It does sound like a, a compliment. Nonetheless, she says, I learned that although there are more traditional or progressive members, either pro or contra chips, everybody has a great respect in a, for AA and most of all, a great gratitude and a true, altruist loved. Man. Now I hear you every day. Com- now I hear you, John, every day commuting to work. Um, morning and afternoon, and I remember to focus on my recovery, keep my mind open, and avoid controversy. Thank you so much, Claudia T. Ah, Claudia, that was fantastic. Um, And you know, it's interesting, I have a uh, couple episodes in the queue right now, that are unreleased, but uh, I was able to talk to our friend uh, Jimmy D again, who's been on the podcast several times in the past. And uh, Jimmy D talks about uh, Tradition 1 and Tradition 2. So I think you'll find those uh, very interesting indeed. All right, everybody. That wraps up Uno Mas episode of Sober Speak. So uh, what is it that, that I, that I, that, that, oh, somebody said this one time and I said I was going to start ending the episodes with, uh, uh, it is right from the big book. In fact, I read it on page 164. What is it? I'm sorry. Uh, it is may, may God bless you and keep you until then. Keep coming back, folks. It works if you work it. As always, I take this one week at a time. Hope to be back next week with you, folks. Love you guys. Be well.